When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. We're going to cover NFL quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks to be exact, Major League Baseball, some NBA playoff talk, and college football, including Kentucky Wildcats. We're going to be bringing in an old friend of the show, uh, one of our oldest friends in the sports business, Brad Taylor from The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor off of ESPN Radio Lexington. All that and more. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Hi. I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome into a new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast presented by Yeti Coolers. Travel is back. Over two-thirds of Americans are planning to travel this summer, and Yeti's new luggage line is perfect for all adventures. Check out the Crossroads Collection by clicking the link in the YouTube description or on the podcast notes. That'll take you straight to Yeti, where you'll find the new Crossroads Collection Yeti luggage. Perfect for your travel this summer. We're also presented by Skull Candy. Whether you're looking for true wireless freedom or total musical immersion, now is the time to score a deal on Skull Candy Audio. Right now, you can save $20 when you purchase the Indie Evo True Wireless Earbuds at only $49.99. Click the Skull Candy link in the YouTube description or the podcast notes to get this great deal. I'm excited about today's uh, episode. Uh, Dad's been joining me a lot here recently. He's going to sit out tonight. He'll be back with us on Thursday. Uh, but tonight we are joined by one of our uh, closest and oldest and wisest and uh, degenerate friends that we have in the business. We're going to bring in host of The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor on ESPN 1300 92.5 uh, in Lexington. Brad Taylor is back with us. So Brad, thanks for coming on again. Thank you, but I. Why do we always have to call investors degenerates? Why does everybody always say that? Use that adjective. 
I've got a bone to pick with you on this, Silver. Yeah. When I see you again in person, I'll have it out with you. But into the meantime, let's get on with your show here. Yes. Every entertainer needs a heel, and uh, so if I call you degenerate, you're, you end up being the heel of the show. So it works out. It's an entertaining thing, Brad. You're supposed to play with me on this one. Well, all <laughs> my favorite wrestlers in the 80s were bad guys anyway. Uh, yeah. Everybody's got a price. You know, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. So, yeah, we're good. Yeah. What hat are you wearing tonight? Oh, this is my uh, Atlanta Braves, but all black Atlanta Braves okay. hat. Yeah. My Raiders hat, you know, it's it's not about being a fan, it's an attitude, you know. That's yes. how we do it on the bottom line. It's an attitude. Yes. Yeah, you got you got the Astros hat, uh the uh Expos. Yes. You guess I saw you wearing Expos the other day. That is true. That's yeah. Well, a lot of, good. lot of I appreciate you noticing my uh hat and t-shirt collection. That's yeah, that's the biggest star of my little videos that I do. Nobody cares <laughs> about what I say. Oh, I like that hat. I like that t-shirt. Yeah. That shows you where the public is when it comes to this stuff. Yes. Well, Brad, uh, helped me get into the business of sports talk and, uh, hosted a podcast for a long time. And, uh, after hosting a radio show in Atlanta for several years now in Lexington, Kentucky, hosting every Saturday and Sunday at 9 a.m. You can catch it if you're in the area on the radio, 1300 a.m., 92.5 FM, or you can catch it online as well. And, uh, Brad, we, uh, you know, it's, one of the reasons why we don't have you on more is because we don't talk gambling on the show here, and you love to talk gambling because, as you said, you're an investor. Um, and and I do joke about being a degenerate. Brad's not a degenerate. I know some degenerates, and it's not. Brad's not one of them. But um, we, you know, I you know, I think I, I had to say this because it's my podcast. We talked on Saturday on your show. And, uh, I, I mentioned the Bucks and I mentioned the Hawks, uh, for this weekend. And, but I was scared. You scared me off of them, but, uh, they, they both pulled it off this week. We'll get to the NBA in a minute. I was right once, so I'm going to, I'm going to pull that up, but, um, yeah, don't break your arm, patty yourself on the back <laughs> or anything. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm nice. I'm nice and lumber these days. Uh, exactly. or limber, I guess. Um, Let's start with the NFL. Uh, NFL, our listeners really enjoy the NFL, so that's where we're going to bring it into today. I saw today that the over-under for starting uh, rookie quarterbacks in week one is two and a half, uh, meaning they are saying it's Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson with the Jets and the Jaguars. Um, I want to get your take on that, and then uh, and then I'll share mine. But uh, two and a half is an interesting number uh, when you've got other first-round quarterbacks sitting around as well. It is an interesting number. As of right now, I think I would go under in that one. Because, I mean, do you really want to throw Garoppolo to the bench immediately? Because you'll lose him for the rest of the year if you throw him to the bench immediately. I, the Bears, they're pro- trying to protect their coaches and general manager's job up there in Chicago. So they need wins now. Can they really afford to put fields out there the first game of the season? And we all know that Mac Jones probably isn't going to play the first game and Cam Newton is. So I think two and a half and going under that, that would be my choice as of right now. I know a lot of people might uh, disagree with that. But as of now, barring injury, I think we're only looking at two, like you said, to start the season. The under's at minus 300 right now. Um, And I was thinking through this. I would go over for this sole fact. I think that with with, uh, training camps and having preseason games this year, I think there's a really good chance that one of those quarterbacks, I'm thinking Fields or Lance, one of those is going to be, has the potential to be so good, kind of like Russell Wilson and Matt Flynn back in the day, where one of them is just going to be at the point where they're going to say, we cannot have this guy on the bench. If we want to win, we need this quarterback. San Francisco has already proven that they don't have Jimmy Garoppolo's back. Um, and Shanahan and Garoppolo are friends. They get along well, but, <laughs> he's never had his back. He's never been his guy. Um, and then in Chicago, and I like Andy Dalton. I think Dalton's a good quarterback. I think he can – I thought he should have went to Washington. I thought he would have been a great fit in Washington. But um, yeah, I, I'm a huge Fields fan too, and I think Fields is, is a guy that could steal that job coming into week one. So I would say, and I don't gamble, but looking at the numbers of it all, I think it's plus 250 right now. I would go with the over, thinking that either Fields or Lance is going to win the job before week one. You brought up a good example with Russell Wilson and Matt Flynn. The difference between Matt Flynn and these guys now, these guys are proven. Matt Flynn had one, one game where he got six touchdowns and got this big contract. That's how he made got a starting job, quote-unquote. 
these other guys, Andy Dalton and uh, yeah, Garoppolo, these are proven mm-hmm. guys. Cam Newton, proven guys. So it's not like you're getting, you know, Matt Flynn out there who really had one game under his belt. You've got seasoned veterans out there. I don't think any of I don't think any of those rookies start the season. Now by week five, yeah, everything, it, they're all bets are off by then. But for me, the first week of the season, I think under. That's that's why you've got a lot of juice minus three hundred on that under two and a half. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how much preseason plays a role this year. You know, last year there we didn't have preseason, and so it's interesting too how that affected some of the guys. I think going into last season and the opportunities when you don't have a chance to show what you can do. First of all, it hurts trade value in most people's cases. Not all. Some of them, it helps them to not play. But uh, in, in most cases, you, you lose trade value. So it hurts the uh, uh, the front office and things like that as well. So it'll be interesting to see how much preseason has an impact on the opening week, uh, week one rosters, depth charts, all those kinds of things as well. Because in my opinion um, – Again, I think I think Lance and Fields are the more likely out of the two. I don't think Mac Jones, unless Cam Newton is just really, really bad still. And I expect him to be better than last year because he was not good last year. But I don't know. We'll see. Um, if none of them are starting, so let's see. we got Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. And, of course, the Jaguars have yet to commit to Trevor Lawrence, but good night. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We know he's starting in week number one. So out of the other three first-round quarterbacks, uh, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, and Justin Fields, which one starts first? Fields. Uh, that's my money is on Fields with Chicago because I mean, that's the only way they keep their job, first of all. And, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got Andy Dalton there. You also have uh, Nick Foles there. People forget about yeah. him. He's still third team. He's still under contract. But, yeah, I think Fields in Chicago is the guy because – they're having to. They're going to have to prove, if, especially if they get off to a poor start. Mm-hmm. They're those general manager and that coach is fighting for their jobs this year. This year, yeah. So yeah. if they can't, if they get off to a poor start, hey, let's go to our rookie quarterback. That way, if we have a poor season, we can say, oh well, it's because we had this rookie quarterback. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah. But so you, now you're just protecting your phony baloney job. So the the players with the most to lo- the coaches, excuse me, and the general managers with the most to lose. Those are the guys who will probably get the chances first. That's why you won't see Trey Lance as early as you might think because Shanahan has a lot of job security in San Francisco. So Trey Lance, they can take their time with him and uh, John Lynch. Plenty of job security out there for those guys. Chicago, yeah. not so much. It'll be Fields. Yeah, and you're right. And New England's the same way. They're, they're not right. losing their job in New no England. No job security problems in New England either. Chicago think, has a job security issue, yes. I think COVID may have saved – Nagy's job this year in Chicago. Um, I predicted before the season he was going to get fired. I felt like he should have been fired, but, uh, they're going to give him another chance, another quarterback. You know, I think his failure to put Mitch Trubisky in a, in a position to succeed as an offensive mastermind, supposedly coming from the Andy Reid tree was a massive, massive disappointment in Chicago. Now, as a Packer fan, Yo, keep Nagy. I'm cool with that. I got no problem with that. Keep Zimmer in Minnesota. I said he should have been fired too. Keep him. Uh, Detroit, whoever you want. It doesn't matter who's coaching Detroit. They're horrible. But, but, uh, here we sit and, uh, rookie quarterbacks are going to make a splash this year. They always do. Trevor Lawrence is one of those guys. We didn't talk a lot about him in the draft or close to the draft because all the focus was on what was happening at three. And so I wonder, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to come out and be effective from day one. Not saying he's going to win a Super Bowl in year one or even make the playoffs in year one. I think they're a seven or eight win team in Jacksonville this year. Um, what do you expect out of Trevor Lawrence? Everybody keeps on throwing the Andrew Luck comparison out there, but what, what do we expect out of Trevor Lawrence here in year one? If you really were a gambler and I said, hey, over under 4,000 yards for Lawrence this year, I might actually go over. 4,000 yards passing. Not because he's the greatest quarterback in the league, because he's going to get all the opportunities as long as he stays upright. And Jacksonville, like they have many times in the past, they're going to be behind in a lot of these games. So they're not going to be running the ball all the time in these games. I remember Blake Bortles had plenty of big seasons. 
He was a great fantasy player, you know, six, eight years ago because Jacksonville was always so far behind in these fourth quarters. His fourth quarters were amazing in terms of fantasy stats. You might be seeing the same thing again this year, and now you've got Trevor Lawrence. I'd say a 4,000-yard season for Lawrence. Now, 4,000-yard seasons are much more common now than they used to be back in olden times when we saw Dan Dan Fouts get 4,000 and think he was the greatest passer of the football in the history of the world <laughs> but now yeah I, I think it's an up for trevor lawrence i know my friend uh farrell elliott who runs the kentucky fantasy football state championship he's telling me that trevor lawrence is about the 13th 14th 15th quarterback off most draft boards and this is high stakes fantasy football so a lot of people are thinking maybe not top qb1 tier but right under that uh first 12 quarterbacks in the league Trevor Lawrence is going in these drafts. I would say over 4,000 yards, but out in the desert, Jacksonville, six and a half total wins. It's tough to think they're going to go over six and a half wins out there in the desert. See, I would I would easily take the over on that. Yeah. Uh, and so you heard it here. Uh, <laughs> all right, don't forget that come football season. Uh, but uh, I'm looking at their – I'm pulling up their schedule right now to see who they got. So you know you got Houston twice. Those should both be wins. Houston is – really bad uh jacksonville should be better they've got some talent they've got some offensive talent and some defensive talent although they do need to get better uh on defense as well uh tennessee i think they split the tennessee series i'm not a i'm not on tennessee this year as a matter of fact i've said they'll be closer and record wise to number three in the division as opposed to number one in the division so i'm down on them then you've got indianapolis i'm i'm very very high on indianapolis this year uh, they got Cleveland, New Orleans. Those are tough games. Dallas. Maybe I'm coming off of that, that seven to eight wins right now. <laughs> Denver. They can win, win Denver, Cincinnati, Miami. Yeah, I'm there. Give me, give me eight wins for Jacksonville this year. You look at that division. How many wins can they steal in this division? Let's look out in the desert. They have, uh, the desert has Indy with nine and a half wins. They have Tennessee. You think even with the additions they made, Julio Jones, they only have them at nine wins this year. And, of course, Houston, the lowest in the entire league, with four wins. So you think, huh, all these, you know, the division leader, they project to go nine and a half wins. That means seven and a half losses. So it's not like you have a, an above and beyond team in this division that's going to run away with everything. Jacksonville will probably be in all these games. I mean, be in them. I mean, be within a touchdown in terms of point spread in all these games. So it's yeah, maybe they can steal a few of these division games, especially. I agree with that. Houston is in full tank mode. They canceled their training camp because they accomplished everything they needed to accomplish. Uh-huh. What sure they did. In the world, did Deshaun Watson accomplish everything he needed to accomplish on and uh, off the field? I guess so. Deshaun Watson, I'm telling you, he's going to come out on top in all of this. Now I don't know about legally, and I don't think he's going to spend any jail time or anything like that, from what I understand. But he's going to get suspended from the league. Sure. If Tua Tungavailoa has a bad season again, Watson is in Miami by week eight, I think. Uh, and so I expect him to still get moved, and I expect him to end up in a better situation. Well, anywhere other than Houston would be a better situation. I haven't heard one good word about Tua all offseason. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's all been negative. It's all been he couldn't do this last year. He can't do this now. You know, what are they going to do without Fitzpatrick? You're looking at a team that has maybe everything but a quarterback, on the upswing, it's the Dolphins right now. They sit at nine and a half wins out in the desert. If they had a quarterback you could trust, yeah, that's an easy over. But uh, do you trust Tua to get you ten wins? That's the question you have to ask. Yeah, I think between Miami and Washington are the two teams I look at that have everything they need in place yeah. with the exception of a quarterback. And Washington brings in Ryan Fitzpatrick this year. I was shocked with that move because – Ryan Fitzpatrick can get you six to maybe eight wins, but he's not the guy that's going to get you over the top. And I was, I was very surprised. And maybe they go with the, 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 uh, kid that played in the playoffs, give him a, a legit shot. I don't know. Yeah. But, Heineke. Heineke. Yeah, yeah. Heineke. But that one surprised me. I, I, I was really disappointed in Washington's quarterback moves here in the offseason as well. Um, NFL. Most everybody, by the time we get there, everybody will be full stadiums and everything will be back to normal. Week one will kick off. We've talked about it on your show, but there's still the Aaron Rodgers debacle hanging in the, ra- the, the wind right now. 
Is he going to come back? Is he not going to come back? I've shared my thoughts already. What are your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? Well, I'm just listening to you. You're the Packers expert here. You're Mr. Green Bay. <laughs> Why shouldn't I listen to Vince Dover, Mr. Green Bay Packer? And you've told me a million times, don't listen to anybody else. I know this one, Brad. I've heard all the media. I've heard all the talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming back. That whole thing where he got the country club membership, that did it for me. <laughs> week one starter, Aaron Rodgers. But what if they do go to Jordan Love? What if they do have to go to Jordan Love? I was reading a pro football focus uh, just this past week. If he isn't, if Aaron Rodgers is not playing quarterback, Jordan Love, they have him projected as a top 10 fantasy quarterback for the coming season. Now you have to ask yourself, do you really think that if Jordan Love gets 16 starts, he's one of the best 10 quarterbacks in the league, having never basically taken a meaningful snap? Eh, I guess not, but you know. They have Joe Burrow up there, too, from last year. They had him up there last year, too, so take it with a grain of salt. Well, you got to look at the system that the Packers run. It's the Shanahan system. So you look at the quarterbacks that had success in that system. You go to Kirk Cousins, who, when he was in Washington, got had success. Uh, Matt Ryan in Atlanta went to the Super Bowl. Um, Jared Goff in L.A. went to the Super Bowl. Same system. Jimmy Garoppolo, San Francisco, went to the Super Bowl. So this system is is friendly to the quarterback. It's a lot of short passes. It's getting the running running back involved. It's and the Packers, as people want to just totally go out and say, as soon as I hear a reporter say Aaron Rodgers is mad because the Packers haven't given anyone him anyone to play with, they don't know what they're talking about because they have given them people to play with, very good players, as a matter of fact. Devontae Adams, top in the league. Robert Tunyon, he's a top five tight end in the league right now. Uh, Aaron Jones, one of the top running backs in the league. And then the other receivers, sure, I give you that. They're not great, but they do their job. They've got a role, and they fulfill that role. Aaron Rodgers was not the only reason they were the top offense last year. He's a a large part, don't get me wrong, and he's better than Jordan Love. I'm not saying that he's not better than Jordan Love. But I I understand the thought that Jordan Love can be successful as a uh, fantasy quarterback and as a uh, NFL quarterback. I, I think I don't expect him to be the best in the league, but he's had a year to sit and to learn the system. There's there's not much bad about that sitting behind a guy like Aaron Rodgers and learning. And I'm a little surprised by how every no one's seen him play. Right? He didn't have a single preseason game, nope. and last year. When they brought in the backup quarterback, it was Tim Boyle. It, was, it wasn't Jordan Love. And that's where everybody freaks out about it. But the reality is he was a first-round quarterback on pretty much everyone's board. And he had a year to sit, learn the system, and learn from Aaron Rodgers. I expect him to be okay if he gets the chance to play. Aaron Rodgers. Do you, are there five quarterbacks in the league better than Aaron Rodgers right now? No. No, there's not. Uh, if Jordan Love is put into the game... Are there five quarterbacks in the league better than Jordan Love? Oh, yeah. There's there's probably more than a dozen. If you're playing for today, you better keep Aaron Rodgers. If you're playing long-term, and a lot of these Packers, they like to think long-term. I mean, heck, you've only had two quarterbacks for 30 years. (laughs) You know, it must be nice. I mean, look for uh, the Bengals have had, what, 112 (laughs) quarterbacks in the same time. But, uh, yeah, if you're going to let Aaron Rodgers walk, you better have a proven commodity behind him. When they let Favre walk, they didn't really have a proven commodity in Aaron Rodgers. But they kind of did because he had sat for three years, if I'm not mistaken. It was three years he sat behind Favre. And, you know, all that drama he had when he got drafted. So, and they were ready to get rid of Favre anyway. I don't think they were ready to get... Favre was not coming off an MVP year like Aaron Rodgers is is coming off his MVP year last year. Yeah, Rodgers will be playing week one. After this year, though, I'd like to see you know how he parlays Jeopardy into this one. <laughs> yeah, and the difference too was Rodgers had the support of the team. Uh, the receivers yeah. really liked Rodgers. The veterans had talked to the coaches about, "Hey, this kid can play." And uh, so that you know, there, there was definitely a lot of differences in than what the current situation is. But at the end of the day, as I've said. As soon as I found out that Adam Schefter was not was not handed information on draft night uh, and reported something breaking news that he just got handed, I realized, okay, this is getting uh, a little blown over right now. It'll all work itself out. Rodgers would play this year, and I think Rodgers plays the next three or four years in Green Bay, honestly. I think Jordan Love 
uh, only gets a chance to play in Green Bay if uh, Rodgers gets hurt. And outside of that, I think it's Rodgers until he retires uh, there in Green Bay. But I don't think he's going to stick around like Tom Brady either. He's got aspirations outside of football. And I think you know, you give him another three or four years in the league, I think Rodgers will be ready to step away and go on to the next thing, whatever whatever it may be. Well, I will tell you this. The desert, they're not very sure about what's going to happen there yet. You don't see the Packers win total on any of these boards still to this day. We're sitting here in the, at the end of June. The NFL draft was two months ago. That's when they took it off to begin with. You still can't put down money and investments on the Packers' win total. That's what they feel about this situation. So, yeah, sometimes you need to follow the desert, the money out of the desert, instead of following the Adam Schefters of the world. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be shocked if Rodgers isn't the quarterback week one in Green Bay. And, uh, you know, I just – I think it all works itself out. You know, Dad was saying, he's like, I wish they'd handle this before the golf thing that comes up in a couple weeks. But uh, that's not going to happen because they want the ratings up on the golf – the golf tournament with him as well. So uh, after that, before uh, official the camp opens for preseason and stuff, I think it'll all be handled and back where it needs to be. All right, let's move on. Major League Baseball. Uh, we are in Reds country here in Lexington, which is always a little depressing anyhow. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about, let's start with the NL Central. Going into the season, you were all in on the Brewers winning the division. Currently, sitting atop the division tied with Chicago. How confident are you in Milwaukee in the Central? Very confident. I've got three great starting pitchers, Burns, uh, Woodruff, Peralta, and I've got a bullpen led by Josh Hader, as good as any bullpen in the league when you get to the back end of that. Yes, you've had some struggles offensively, but I still like those four guys, those three starters and that closer. And let's just face it, Nobody else in that division has really been super impressive this year. The Cubs have been a little better than usual, and their bullpen has been outstanding. But if you talk about bullpens, we're sitting here uh, on a Tuesday night. If you saw the Reds play this afternoon, that bullpen had an absolute uh, disaster. They almost they gave up almost a, a three-run lead late in the game. And that They had the worst bullpen in Major League Baseball by a half a run. That's a lot when your ERA in your bullpen is a half run better than the next worst in all of Major League Baseball. That's why you're sitting at 36 and 36 right now. Yeah, the Brewers, I, you know, you and I have talked about this. I know you weren't in on it as much as I was because you're a fan. You've seen this movie, How It Ends Before. <laughs> but, yeah, the Brewers, to me, are the team in that division that uh, I think will win this game by a few games come September. But, yeah, the Reds' bullpen, that's their biggest Achilles heel, and you saw it today. Milwaukee, they're, other than the offensive woes they've had, their middle relief has not been consistent to this point. Suter has been pretty good coming in. He'll come in in the fourth, fifth, sixth inning and pitch a couple innings. He's been decent. Outside of that, they had a guy pitch uh, last night or the night before, gave up six runs, and then they sent him away as soon as before the game was even done. They're saying, thanks for coming to Milwaukee. You're done. Uh, that sent him off. But you're right. The back end of the bullpen is, is incredibly solid. And, uh, and, and there is something to watch for. And the offense is starting to come around, uh, as of late. Yelich is starting to find a little bit more his groove. He was off all last year. Um, did not have a good season last year and he's starting to find his way back. Let's talk about the NL West. Uh, San Francisco, they've been in first place almost all season. They're two games up right now on the Dodgers. San Diego, four and a half back. Um, there's always a team or two that after the all-star break, just plummet. They have a great first half of the season and they plummet. I think the Reds did this last year or two years ago, but, um, San Francisco's a team I'm kind of watching right there at the, at the all-star break. I don't see them being first at the end of the season, but can they hold on or at least be in the top two in the West? No. This is the Dodgers division, and eventually you're going to see the Dodgers. I mean, they're the best team. Let's just face mm-hmm. it. I mean, they've got three Cy Young winners in that rotation. So yeah. it's not like it's not like that. Oh, they're underachieving. Well, they're still going to win 100 games probably. So it's not like you're sitting there, oh, what an underachiever. Well, their win total before the season was 104 and a half out in the desert. So, yeah, they're only on pace now to win 90-something. Well, okay, that's still a pretty darn good season. <laughs> yeah, the, the Dodgers and Padres, easily the two best teams in this division. Can the Giants, they're sitting at 46 wins right now, can they get to 90 and make the playoffs? I really think they can. I think you're looking at a wild card game. Padres-Giants, Western Division wild card. Both teams make it. As of now, 
if the Giants can keep up this pitching and keep that bullpen, it's kind of a house of mirrors with that bullpen they've been using. So, yeah, I think the Giants can keep up as long as they can get to 90 wins, and they've got a long ways to get to 90. I think they're in with the Padres in that wild card. With the exception of Minnesota, let's take them out of it for a second. Is Atlanta the most disappointing team so far this season? Boy, that's a good question. That's a really good question. Yeah, I I think Atlanta is right up there. The Reds and Cardinals both are kind of disappointing themselves. I would say the Cardinals much more so than the Reds. But, yeah, the Braves are very disappointing right now. And basically you don't have any starting pitching on this team. You've got And you've got your three stellar players that you've built your whole franchise around, Albies, Freeman, and Acuna. That's the whole franchise. They have, they're kind of like the Reds junior. They have a very unreliable bullpen, but they don't have any starting pitching. At least the Reds have a couple of starting pitchers they can rely on. The Braves don't even have that at this point. But when you only have three players in Major League Baseball, it's great for short term. Long term, it's not that great. And they don't have a whole lot other than those three guys right now. This is a 500 team. They're sitting about three games under right now as we speak. This is, this looks to me like a 500 team and a non-playoff team as we speak. I thought going into the season, the NLA East was going to be incredibly tough. They have one team over 500 right now. And of all teams, it's the Mets. And the team that hadn't been able to score on offense and really still isn't scoring on offense, the pitching has been incredible, especially from DeGrom. Um, Is DeGrom going to be the NL MVP this year? If he stays healthy, he should be. Absolutely. Yeah. If he keeps this up, but he's he's had there's too much smoke here to not think that there's a fire coming. Because mm-hmm. when he's only pitching, yesterday he he pitched, he only pitched 5 innings. It was a 7-inning game. You can't let him go 6. You can't let him go 7 maybe. <laughs> They're taking him out. He hasn't pitched more than 80 pitches in a month now because he's either they they're either babying him or he's come out for for an injury. So it's not like he when he's in, he's fabulous. But they don't keep him in very long, as opposed to you would think a starting pitcher st- should stay. There's something going on here. There's a reason why he's not pitching much. There's a reason why they're not leaving him in more than five innings. I think as the season goes, this may be a bigger issue than they're letting on right now, because this, the, just the usage tells us so. Earlier in the season, uh, the old rookie, Yerman Mercedes from uh, the White Sox, uh, was up in the count 3-0 in a blowout game. He decided to swing and hits a home run. His manager, old school, Tony La Russa, oh, cool. publicly blasts him for doing so. Since then, Mercedes, I think, is 0 for 22 or something like that. Yep. Um, been terrible <laughs> since, yes. It's been that's, bad. That's La Russa, though. That's La yeah. Russa, you know, going back to his old ways. You have to understand, he was managing 40 years ago. So it's, you know, it's just think about that. 40 years ago, Tony Russo was managing the Chicago White Sox. So it's not like this one. It's not like the game is the same. It's not like the world is the same. The thing, the, the old school unwritten rules of baseball, they don't apply the way they did back then. You know, there's bat flips now. If you flip bats today, like they do today, if you did that 25 years ago, there'd be a ball upside your head the next time you come to, I don't care who you were or who the pitcher was. You can't do that back then, but now, oh, get away with it now. I just hit a home run. Well, I'll flip my bat and take a little of those Dave Parker little pointers, pointing around the bases. Yeah, the game has changed. But, yeah, I think La Russa got into Mercedes' head because, I mean, it's you know he's been terrible ever since then. And it, it, the players backed up the player, not the manager. So that tells you a lot right there. And, but – you know, Larusa somehow, some way, he always wins. I don't know how the <laughs> Lord he does it, but he does it. And you know what? We're going to be sitting here in October talking about Larusa and his bullpen and how he's using it for the playoffs. The Houston Astros, uh, their stars really struggled last year at the plate without having the buzzer underneath their jersey and the trash cans banging in the the uh, dugouts. But they've come back around this year for the most part, and now they're back on top in their division after being behind Oakland for most of the season. Uh, is Houston a legit contender this year for the World Series? Yes. And I'll tell you right now, I've got Dodgers-Astros in the World Series right now, just like it was back the year that uh, the Astros cheated and won the, the, <laughs> the World Series. But th- you talk about redemption. And all these guys, you know that's all they've heard. Ever since yep. all this came out, you're a cheater, blah, 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 blah. They go to Yankee Stadium, and that's all they do at Altuve. Yeah, they cheated. 
and you know, the manager paid for it. The general manager still looking for a job. Although, if I'm 25 teams in Major League Baseball, I go find I go find the Astros general manager, uh, Jeff Lou. Now I hire him today. I don't yeah. care what happened. Hey, hey, everybody else is forgiven. Why isn't he forgiven? That's another story for another day. But yeah, I, the Astros are legit. They have starting pitching. They have a bullpen, and they have great everyday players. They've always had those for, since the rebuild they've had. Yeah, Astros, for my money, best team in the American League right now. They are the highest scoring team in Major League Baseball by a fair amount. They've got 409 runs scored, and I think the second team in the Major League is at 362. Uh, I'm looking real quick, but I think that's correct. 375 is the Dodgers. So they're at 409. The next team's at 375 for runs scored. That means the offense is working and clicking right now. Altuve has come back. Um, and played much better this season than he did last season. And uh, he was a guy that was borderline. Like, people were trying to figure out in keeper leagues, uh, fantasy baseball, should I keep Altuve um, after the season he had last year? But if they did, he's uh, he's paying off for him right now. How about the Yankees? Four and a half back right now. Boston has been playing very good this season. They're in first. Tampa's in second. Yankees, I mean, they've got all the money, and they've got some incredible players on their team. But they have not been able to stay healthy now for years. What's going on with the Yankees? How does Brian Cashman and the Yankees, how do they look themselves in the mirror every day when they see that the Tampa Rays, is they're always better than they are? Right. How do they, how do, they do that? And Tampa, Tampa's not spending anything. They're Nothing. playing in a stadium and nobody shows up. And they have Tampa, people on the street can't name three players on Tampa right now. And their best pitcher just got injured. Up. Oh, too bad they're still in first place. Who gives you know? Who cares? Yeah. Tampa is a better is a better team. They're a better organization than the Yankees are. If you're the Yankees, hey, let's go out and pay and get uh, Stanton. Let's go out and pay and get this guy. The Rays, you don't know their players. They're the better franchise. They're the better team. They're going to win this division. They're going to win it by four or five games. If you ask me, the Yankees <laughs> are they are the Yankees a playoff team? Coin flip right now. Do you trust that starting pitching other than Garrett Cole? And now mm-hmm. Garrett Cole has got the spider tech. Uh, is he using it or not? Well, I'll let him speak for himself on that one. But, uh, yeah, you think he's going to keep up the same numbers? Name another starting pitcher that's good on that team. You can't. Nope. Coin flip right now for the Yankees. It's the, That's the Rays division without question, if you ask me. And they just keep on – I mean, tonight they brought up Wander Fra- uh, Franco. No, yep. not Franco. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so he's their top prospect. So they, they have a system that is full of these prospects. Yep. And we've seen it through the pitching and through the – offense and fielding that uh, they just keep on producing guys that can play and they go out there and they make it happen. They were creative with their pitching last year, the last couple of years. They've been very creative with their pitching on how they do their bullpen and things like that as well. And it's worked for them and uh, it's working for them again this year. Again, Boston currently in first place by half a game, but that, that division's an interesting one and up for grabs as well. Uh, all right, let's move on to basketball. Uh, we've got the NBA playoffs going on, but most recently the Philadelphia 76ers were eliminated from the playoffs and a lot of talk coming out about Ben Simmons right now. Uh, Doc Rivers saying we have an answer for that. We're gonna, we got something we're gonna work on with them. I put a poll out on Twitter, um, asking who would you rather have as your point guard, Lonzo Ball or Ben Simmons? The results, 53% said Lonzo Ball, 47% said Ben Simmons. So I pose the question to you, Brad Taylor. Uh, who would you rather have as your starting point guard, Lonzo Ball or Ben Simmons? Uh, Lonzo Ball. I, after what I saw the other night, I mean, Ben Simmons, unless he changes his game, if you're counting on him, and he's, what, $160-something million dollar contract right now? Mm-hmm. If you're counting on him... Especially, I think he took uh, four shots in the, in the fourth quarter in that entire series against the Hawks. If you're counting on him to be a leader on your team, you can't. That you just can't do that. I'm sorry, you can't do that. Would you, if Scotty, Scotty Pippen to Michael Jordan? Would you think Scotty Pippen would only take four shots in a seven game series in a fourth <laughs> quarter? But no, they can't win doing that way, and neither could the Sixers. That's just how it was. Uh, yeah, you've got to. I'd rather have Lonzo Ball because I know he's not going to clam up in the fourth quarter like Ben Simmons. And when you get the yips in your head, that's basically what it is in your head. Yeah, yes. you got to get it. You got to get him out of town. And the Sixers should be ashamed of themselves. They drafted Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, 
in consecutive years. Mm-hmm. Markel Fultz, you know, he was they had they got rid of him for magic beans. Mm-hmm. And now they're going to have to get rid of Ben Simmons. The only thing they're going to have to show for the entire process, trust the process era, is Joel Embiid, and he really can't stay healthy long term. So Yeah. And they brought in, I mean, they had six top, what, three draft picks in that process time. And the only thing that they had to show for it that's worth showing right now is Joel Embiid. I was never a Ben Simmons fan. I watched him at LSU. I said oh, I would terrible. not draft him. I would not draft awful. him. He's, he can't lead or he doesn't lead. No. I don't know if they can or not. He doesn't lead. He's lazy. He obviously doesn't play hard all the time. He's a great defensive player, but if you're that tall, and I've said this my entire life, if you're that tall and you can't play offense, there's a problem somewhere. Now, I, can yeah. Simmons turn into a stretch four and find a role in the league? Sure. He could be a Jay Crowder to some degree, maybe. Um, right now, he's a less talented Boris Diaw. <laughs> not at that price. Not on $160 million right. or whatever. Right. But the thing is, I remember his one year at LSU, and mm-hmm. it was so ballyhooded. It was so, you know, it was going to be great. I'll never forget that last game of the SEC tournament. It was the most uninspired game I ever saw in my life. LSU was just going through the motions. Their coach had already mailed it in. Ben Simmons had mailed it in. They didn't want to be there. They lost in the quarterfinals. Yeah. How could it, how do you see do you think Michael Jordan would have gave up like that? Do you think anybody worth their salt in the NBA would have given up like that? Yeah, you just, it's not to say, well, I saw it coming. Well, it's just, you've seen it before, though. And yeah. for, you know, for the Sixers, and the Markel Fultz thing, if your division rival, the Boston Celtics, is saying, hey, we've got the third pick, excuse me, we've got the first pick, you've got the third, why don't you just trade with us? You know, just, we'll do you a favor. You know, we've got so much, we, we don't want to take it all. Let's just take our first, our first overall pick, we'll take the third, and, you know, and all the best wishes to you. Now, when they, when your hated rival does that, don't you think they know something maybe you don't about what's going on with Markel Fultz versus uh, Jay, uh, Tatum, Jason Tatum? Yeah, the Celtics got out like a bandit on that. So, yeah, when your biggest rival offers you something you should not refuse, refuse it. Right, and Danny Ainge had a reputation. I mean, they said there were people, when Danny Ainge was on the phone, they wouldn't even answer. They said, no, they knew they were going to get fleeced if they accepted anything. And that's just the way it worked. We're in the middle of the, uh, well, just started the finals right now, the Eastern and Western Conference finals. The Suns up 1-0 on the Clippers. They play again tonight. We're recording on Tuesday. Uh, they play later this evening. The Suns a four and a half, uh, minus four, four and a half right now for this game. Kawhi Leonard still out. Um, I've not heard about CP3 if he's playing tonight or not. They has the COVID protocol stuff going on. Um, which is a whole nother conversation. But um, coming out of the West, uh, is it going to be Phoenix? I mean, they, to me, they seem to be the team right now. Yes, it's Phoenix. Phoenix wins the NBA championship. And mm. if you had that before the season started, congratulations. Uh, I didn't. I don't think you did either, Miss Dover. <laughs> I don't, don't, no. don't pull that one out of your magic hat no. on me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but if you look at these four teams that are left, Phoenix, Milwaukee, the Clippers, Hawks, My, I'm an old man. I've never seen any of these teams win an NBA championship. So, yeah, this is a year among all years. It's Phoenix's year. I can't yeah. believe it, but Chris Paul, and I talked about this the other day on my show, uh, Chris Paul and David Robinson, for my money, as underrated of a great player that you'll ever find in NBA history, mainly because, well, they didn't win on their own, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, but they, it still doesn't mean they weren't great players. Chris Paul yeah. is a great Go look at his numbers. He's one of the top... You look at player efficiency, he's a top 10 player in the history of this league in player efficiency rating. Chris Paul, if they win this thing out, he's finally going to get what he deserves, being recognized as one of the all-time greats. This is a legacy year for a couple of guys. Chris Paul is one of those guys. Honestly, Devin Booker is one of those guys also. He wins a championship now. Speaking of underrated, he's, you know, now he's gotten more consistent finally. But he had been very, very good since his rookie season, but he was on a really bad team, so he kind of gets pushed off, pushed off. Even this year, didn't make uh, uh, an All NBA team. Uh, even he's not in the top fifteen players or saying in the league this year, but he continues to put up thirty plus points a game, and and he's carrying the team with with uh, Chris Paul out also. 
The Clippers, so going into the season, I said it was going to be an L.A. team versus Brooklyn. I assumed it was going to be the Lakers uh, versus Brooklyn. Um, but, boy, you just continue to watch Paul George and Kawhi Leonard not be able to get it going. Kawhi Leonard's hurt. Paul George is playing great. It's, it's crazy to see what he's doing, but I don't think he's got enough uh, there. And the question I continue to ask is, is Ty Lu actually a good coach? Boy, that's a very good question. I don't think we can answer. And I don't think we'll be, answer, be able to answer that for this series because they're not going to win this series. Yeah. But you brought up Devin Booker. Go back to that draft after Kentucky's almost undefeated season, 2015. Carl Anthony Towns went first. Uh, mm-hmm. Willie Colley Stein went six. Trey Lyles went 12. Then Devin Booker. How many general managers would like to have that back and maybe reverse that order and put Devin Booker even above Carl Anthony Towns at this point? I'd oh, yeah. say I'd say thirty out of thirty would say that, but yeah, you said the Clippers or the the Lakers before. I said the Clippers and Sixers before the play, the playoffs started. New inf, you know, new more information. Change your pick. Yeah, the Clippers <laughs> are out. Sixers are out. So this this is the Suns for me because yeah. we talked about you know you talk about investing favorites in the NBA playoffs. We've been harping on that. If you take the favorites against the spread of these NBA playoffs. You're hitting 61% for the season for these playoffs. 43 up, 28 down. I like my chances. I would take Phoenix again tonight, laying uh, that four-and-a-half number, and uh, I might have, if you know what I mean, in faraway places. <laughs> Tomorrow night, uh, Atlanta and Milwaukee kick off their series, game one of their series. I said going into the last series for Milwaukee and Brooklyn that Drew Holiday, he this was his opportunity to earn his contract and to earn – the trade that took place and brought him to Milwaukee is they gave up multiple first round picks for him. He gets really lucky. Kyrie gets injured. James Harden, uh, was not playing at full strength the games that he played and the Bucks were able to squeak out even though KD looked phenomenal in those games. Giannis has a chance, speaking of legacy now to really solidify his if he can win a championship this year. They got to get by Atlanta though and Atlanta's no pushover. They're not a pushover, but the Bucks should win the series. I mean, Right now, I would put the Bucks on an even keel with Phoenix in terms of chances to make it to the finals. And if you're, you know, looking out in the desert, right now the favorite to win the NBA finals, it's Milwaukee right now. They're the favorite to win. And NFL final, or NFL, NBA finals MVP is Giannis. So that should tell you about something. You get a little bit better price on Giannis. So if you think the Bucks are going to win, hey, just go ahead and put Giannis finals MVP because Basically, if he just shows up, they're probably going to give him the MVP. But yeah, it's Suns and Bucks. I don't think I've seen this. And I said this last series and got burned on it too in Game Seven. But I've seen this from Atlanta teams for my entire life. I lived in Atlanta for twenty something years. I've seen this movie and how it ends before. Even after I left, they lost that Super Bowl to New England when they were up twenty eight to three. Yeah, it's it's. But they're going to go quietly in this round. I think the Hawks, if they get two games, they should consider it a success in this series. Uh, Bagdanovich is hurt, so I'm not sure how much he's going to be able to play at all in this yeah. series. That's a big blow to Atlanta. Trey, um, what's his last name? Trey Young. Trey Young, thanks. Um, I was going to, you had me on Trey Lyles there for a second. Yes. Uh, Trey, Trey Young, I've started to like him. I didn't like him before this, the playoffs started, and then I watched him in that Knicks series, and then even in this last series, even though he didn't play well in the last game, most of the game, he's a guy that you look at and you go, he's, He's kind of John Starks esque in the sense of his attitude. Oh, don't say that. <laughs> oh, that's, how can you insult the man that way? That's a terrible. Not thing an insult. To say. I oh, love John Starks. It's not? No, I love him too, but he was not a good player when he had to play against these big guys. Yeah, but you, but if you go back to three years when the Hawks had the third pick, I think it was a third pick, and they traded with Dallas, so mm-hmm. they traded down so they could get Trey Young. And they gave Dallas Luka Doncic. And I remember thinking at the time, that was one of the worst draft day moves I've ever seen in my life. Because Luka is great. We've all seen Luka is great. And he showed it from day one that he is great. And Trey Young, well, the first when I first saw him, him, I thought, volume shooter. You know how you say, remember the old volume, smaller Carmelo is basically what I was thinking. (laughs) But like you say, Trey Young winning me over. And I know why the Hawks did that. Because, let's just face it, in Atlanta, if you're trying to get butts in seats, and that's what they need in Atlanta, butts in seats, because people do not go to those games, you get a lot more butts in seats with Trey Young 
than you do with Luca. I'll let you figure out why on that one. But it's, we're talking about Atlanta now, and I love Atlanta very, very much. Um, but yeah, I'm starting to come. I don't think it was nearly as big a mistake now as no. I thought on draft day when I thought it was one of the worst moves that in, in NBA draft history. I thought it was terrible. I remember going on some show somewhere just like killing the Hawks. I'm like, this is why this franchise will never win. Well, you know what? Three years later, we're sitting here in the conference finals. Dallas is home. They just fired their coach and their general manager. And the Hawks are about to play game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. Who knew? Yeah, and they built a great team. They really have. And yeah. it's young, young talent um, as well. Trey young. Right. If you can believe that. And what they did with him from day one, they said, okay, it's your team. They didn't have veterans. Okay, well, let's let's let Trey Young kind of find his way. Let's let this guy lead the team. No, it was Trey Young's team from day one, and that's why that might be why they're where they're at today. Yeah, and the veterans that they did have were willing to accept that. Yep. Vince Carter was on the team when they brought in Trey Young, and Carter took it as a mentorship, but he wasn't the guy on the court. Um, but he was the guy in the locker room that helped kind of guide and direct. And now the guys they have in the front office, the guys that they've got uh, coaching, McMillan's done a great job since he came over in midseason um, as well. And and speaking of coaches, Coach Bud uh, in Milwaukee was going to get fired last week if he lost the Brooklyn series. And now he's in the Eastern Conference Finals of playing against his old team in Atlanta. You have to ask, what if he loses this one? Is he still fired if he loses this series? What if they? What if they win it all? Do they fire him? They, you know, they might fire him if they win the whole thing. Who knows? If they I get mean, to the finals and, and he, they lose, they lose four zero four and four zero sweep. They might just fire him anyway. And you got to look at the who's out there with Rick Carlisle now available. Yeah. That's a mm-hmm. great fit. <laughs> that's a great fit. Oh, for Rick I, I think he fits in Boston a lot better. I yeah. really do. I think Carlisle because he used to play for Boston. He played with Larry Bird in Boston. That's yeah. a great fit right there. They're going to hire um, Udoku or something like that. They've come out and pretty much and said that um, as a whole process is not done yet there. But uh, uh, they're going to go minority in Boston. Uh, they're going to make a statement with that as well and um, a whole other conversation. Let's transition quickly. We are in Lexington in the heart of SEC country um, where there is a basketball team and every now and then a football team. And uh, college football has announced that they are per- pursuing and going forward with this 12-team playoff uh, system that they are working on getting set up. I was thinking through this today, Kentucky football, you know, they had a 10-win season, what, two, three seasons ago now. Um, They're never going to be number one in the country, but is there a chance for them to be number 12 in the country and make the college football playoffs? Uh, Not not this year, ever. (laughs) Yeah, not anytime soon. I remember, I'll never forget when the uh, SEC championship game moved to Atlanta, which... Annually, that's the toughest ticket in Atlanta every year is a ticket to that SEC championship game. I remember watching the first one uh, with my roommates uh, in 1994. And I remember saying to myself, man, Kentucky will never be in this game in my lifetime. <laughs> Here we are, 27 years later, they still haven't made it. Of course, neither has Vandy, but that's another story. But no, you, what you say, will Kentucky ever make it? <sighs> as long as you got to go against Georgia and Florida... Man, it's, it's tough to sit there and say, yeah, Kentucky's going to make it. Oh, go Big Blue. Well, you know, as long as you have to go against those and you never win recruiting battles against those and you think that you're winning, you're such a great recruiting team now, but you're still losing to Georgia and Florida and all these other SEC teams at the same time because, you know, I was reading something the other day. I think it was Rivals had uh, Kentucky's recruiting class last year at 26 in the nation. Well, that's good. But they were 11th in the SEC. Well, those are the teams you play. So, you know, how good are you really going to be? So, as far as making the conference championship game, I think we're a long ways off. And and everybody loves Mark Stoops recruiting. Game day, I'm not so sure. But recruiting-wise, yeah. uh, Yeah, I just don't see it happening with him as coach. Kentucky football is interesting. I grew up in Tennessee, so I never had any respect for Kentucky football. Uh, and I've learned that most people here don't have much respect for it either. Um, but they do have high expectations. And ever since that 10 win season, it is kind of, they, at that point, they said, okay, this is where we should be every year. And I sat back and said, well, wait a second. You know, I understand that's, that's a good thing to shoot for. And it's, but last year, you know what Kentucky fans were cheering for? Bowl eligibility. And, they didn't get six wins last year, but they were bowl eligible, and people were ecstatic about it. 
And I went nuts on these fans saying, wait a second. Whatever happened to having expectations for 10 win seasons and now we're happy with four wins as long as we make a bowl in <laughs> a season that everyone made a bowl? Well, they also got, didn't have the cupcakes. I mean, this year yeah. they've got the three cupcakes back and we talk about it. Two of those, uh, cupcakes they have in their schedule one of them is projected to win two games out in las vegas and the other was projected to win one and a half games out in las vegas so they might be the softest of the cupcakes in terms of cupcake schedule but you make a good point and uh mark story of the herald leader uh said this a few weeks ago talking about the win total the win total is seven out in the desert but would big blue nation would they consider it a successful season if they matched that seven and just pushed and he was like, no, the Big Blue Nation will not consider a 7-5 and five season a success now, even though our friends in the desert say, well, that's what we expect you to do. He says Big Blue Nation, and I happen to agree with this, Big Blue Nation has bigger expectations. Would Kentucky fans consider 7-5 and five success? I, I'm like you. I don't think they would now. I think they should, but no, yes. I don't think they will. I mean, you look at it. Uh, Tennessee has been down now for years and years and years. And Kentucky has had a really hard time beating Tennessee. Um, South Carolina has been down. Vanderbilt, let's kick them out of the SEC. Um, then you've got, you know, Mississippi State they're playing this year. Those are games that they need to be in and need to be winning. I, I'm okay. I think you should be okay as a Kentucky fan if you're losing to Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida. Those teams, listen, you get beat by them. Okay, it is what it is. Now, Florida's not as good as they used to be back back in when I was a kid, but still, I can live with it. But if you're losing to Tennessee still all the time, that's a problem. Tennessee's no good. They haven't been good for a long time. Um, so that's where those seven, eight-win seasons got to come from, are those teams that they should be beating by now if they're having top 25 uh, recruiting classes. You know, you got got to something close for it. Yeah, everybody I've talked to in the local media here, when I say, okay, over under seven wins for Kentucky, they're all going over. Every, mm-hmm. I've never heard anyone say under. Nobody around here. And that's, you know, heightened up expectations. Keep in mind, you have a new quarterback this year, although the last one wasn't very good. But you have a new quarterback <laughs> this year. You have a new offensive coordinator this year. Yeah. And there were only six college teams in all of America that lost more draft picks to the NFL than Kentucky did. So you lost a lot of people too, and you expect to reload and get to eight wins with a new, uh, an entirely new uh, team like that. That's tough. And if you're going to tell me that they're going to beat, you know, they had that three week stretch where they had to play LSU, Florida, and Georgia. Oh, they, oh, well, they'll get one of those. Well, I don't think they will. I'll give you your three cupcakes. You give me those three in a row. Now you've got six games. You're expecting them to go five and one in those six games, and all six of those games, the spread out in the desert is going to be a touchdown or less to one side. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't, it, that's tough. I don't care who you are if you're only favored by a touchdown or less because they're going to go to Vandy, and that's going to be a touchdown or less spread in that one. Now, it might be seven or eight, but, I mean, it's going to be up there. When they The Missouri game is going to be a toss-up. They go to Mississippi State. They're going to be a nice four, five, six-point dog in that game. I can promise you that. So to expect them to go five and one in all those games with a few toss-ups in there, yeah, good luck. Yeah, I think seven's the number. Um, I mean, I just every time I look seven at the schedule, seven is a good number. It is a yeah. good number. I but you have to ask yourself, what's more likely, eight and four or six and six? I think six, six and, and six, six is more likely than an eight and four season. Yes. Yeah, I agree completely as well. I mean, there's just there's games that they should win. I always expect you to lose one game you should win and to win one game you should lose. Right. And and that still puts me at seven wins for Kentucky if they do if they do that, but I don't know. It's Kentucky, you know, they're kind of they've been down now for the last I would say two seasons and everything. For the most part, basketball last season was a complete disaster. Football a disaster. Baseball they extended the the manager and they had nine transfers at the end of this season. It's not going well in the baseball. Gymnastics has been great, but outside of that, Kentucky sports have been struggling last year. My last question for you uh, as we transition to basketball again, um, I've already shared my thoughts on Coach Cal as a coach. He's obviously a great recruiter. He struggles to coach. But, uh, you know, is he going to be able to right the ship this year? Well, you mentioned, you know, all these other sto- sports other than 
football and men's basketball. That's the only thing, too, that I pay attention to or talk to. When you talk about baseball, I mean, you know, good luck. I mean, I, you know, I don't follow it. I mean, it doesn't pay. What makes the money for these colleges? Baseball right. does not make money for these colleges. Even the ones where it does make money, it doesn't even come close right. to men's basketball or especially uh, football. So, yeah, they don't count in my book. There's only two college sports that I ever pay attention to. College World Series is going on right now. I couldn't tell you anything about it. So, I mean, that's just, you know, I know Vandy's in it because I saw him play with those black uniforms the other night that, uh, when I was flipping channels. That's the only way I know Vandy's in it. But, yeah, Coach Cal, it's going to be lather, rinse, repeat. We're going to be sitting here. It's June 22nd today. Five months from now, they're going to be getting ready to play a game. And it's, they're going to be AP preseason top 10 because they brought in all these transfers and they've got these recruits. And Coach Cal's got his fire back and he's got Antigua back and some guy with a chin or something is a new assistant <laughs> coach. And they've got all these new guys and everybody, it's going to be the same thing that we say every year. And all around here, the little three-letter show across town, they're all going to say Final Four, blah, blah, blah. You, it's going to be the same exact thing. Does that mean they're going to live up to expectations? Probably not. But when the preseason hits and you're sitting here during Big Blue Madness and you're sitting here in November getting ready for these uh, interconference games with uh, the big boys of the world and uh, the Dukes and Kansases and whoever they're playing this year, yeah, it's going to be the same story as always, and the desert is going to modify that as well. This is the year, um, I think, with the exception of back when they had the platoon year, this is the most likely year for them to win. The talent, really? the, yeah, the way that they're bringing in guys, the, they brought in the right amount of shooters, the right amount of big guys. They have a good diversity in size and ability. I think this is the most complete team that Cal's probably had with the exception of the platoon year when he had 10 guys that were just really, so you're really saying good. Final Four. You're telling me Final Four right now, Vince Stover. I haven't had a chance to look at the other schools and what's out there, but I would say yes. Okay, High I'll expectations. take some of that. When you're ready, I'll take some of that action. I'll yeah, that way. yeah. A bucket I, of pride. I'm I'm a very cautiously optimistic Kentucky fan uh, when it comes to basketball. Last year was. Did you not see was, the last season? Did oh you my not goodness. see what happened last season? Yeah. Last year was horrible, and it was coaching. It was bad coaching all year long. I don't think they knew what they were doing. I don't think they had a, a plan. I don't think they knew what to do. I'm not saying they yeah. didn't know what they were doing. I just don't think they knew what to do. It's a, there's a difference in that. But, I mean, yeah. They had one guy who could shoot, and they said, well, he doesn't play defense, so he's not going to (laughs) play. It's like, well, but he does shoot, right? Look at the, look at the NBA. There's lots of teams who have four guys that can play defense and one guy who can't. (laughs) You still put them out there. Didn't one game he said, well, I I didn't, I wanted to play in the second half, but I didn't play in the first half, so I have a rule if I don't play in the first half. (laughs) I don't want to understand that at all. Uh, I think, you know, I don't know how much of it had to do with the assistant coaches. Um, They've made some changes this year, brought in an old friend like you talked about already in Antigua, brought in a new guy that's supposed to be phenomenal assistant coach in Chin. they also got rid of some guys. Uh, now they'll, they won't say it that way. They left for other opportunities, but I think there was some issues there in the coaching staff. And I think for me, I think we should have high expectations for Kentucky this year. They have a mixture of guys who have played and freshmen, but guys who have played big time basketball already. Well, they let and, Johnny Juzang go last year too. And he was in the final four. Kentucky was sitting at home when they yeah. announced the brackets. So it's not like yeah. Calipari lets the lets you know they had another kid in Arizona uh, who I think was like uh, one of the all, one of the Jamal Baker teams. yeah yes, thank you I forgot his name yeah, uh, yeah so I, I think he transferred again too if I'm not mistaken he I did he yeah. Like, yeah yeah the Juzang one we can we can put that on Cal the the Baker one at, or Barker uh, yeah. Barker or Baker either way Baker. yeah it's Baker. yeah he's that was fine. It is what it is. Um, but Cal, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I have high expectations again without not knowing much about the other teams at this point. Cause you got coaching changes at North Carolina. Um, Duke's in the final year of Coach K. So, you know, he's cheating like crazy this year. Um, cause what are they going to no, do? Why didn't he pull Roy Williams got out? He says, I don't want that victory tour. I don't want to take that victory lap. I'm just, <laughs> I'm out now. Let's let this guy take over. No, not Coach K. Coach no. K's got to say, oh, I want everybody to worship me one more year yeah. and give me the old rocking chair and the gift and the, you know, yeah. the leather jacket or whatever. <laughs> so I can have like, gifts from all the ACC schools. You know, Clemson, here you go. Have a, have a rocking, a uh, Clemson rocking chair. You know, <laughs> who cares? He just wanted that so he could, you know, 
have everybody kiss his butt one more time. Yeah. Uh, I'll be glad when Duke underachieves again this year because Lord <laughs> knows. But how can how can you bet against them? You don't think they're getting every call this year? Oh yeah. If you're if you're a referee in the NCAA tournament, first second round, and it's a close game, you're gonna call one against Coach K? No, you're not. That's not one I want to go up against. But yeah, congrats to Coach K. Yeah, I wish. I hope you heard my show a couple of weeks ago <laughs> when I uh, told told you about my memories of Coach K. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which my, reminds so, me, good my best work. Yes. Good transition. Uh, Nate Oates had the great line this year about Coach K when he came out and said we shouldn't even be playing. And Nate Oates said, "Well, I mean, have you won that game? What he had the same opinion." And and uh, a good reminder to Nate Oates that we're still uh, inviting you to be on the show, even though that the University of Alabama has told us no multiple times. Uh, Coach right, Oates, was, yeah, was yes. he wrong? He's one hundred percent right. So why yeah. why do you want to upset? Why do you want to insult the guy for telling the truth? That's what. When you tell the truth in this world, sometimes they don't like you for it. Oh, believe yeah. me, I believe me. I've caught that a few times, both on and off the radio <laughs> recently. Uh, but you know, when you tell the truth, a lot of times people don't like to hear it, and they will treat you as such. So yeah. sometimes you have to be judicious. But they know it's one hundred percent right when he said that. Yep. And now we just need him on the show. We've we've invited him uh, multiple times, and uh, we continue well, to. I'll, I'll send you a question, a few questions to ask him when he does. Okay. He We'll see. We'll see if we can work that one out. Uh, all right. Brad Taylor. He is, uh, you can catch him on the radio Saturdays and Sundays, 9 a.m. Eastern time, ESPN radio, Lexington, 1392.5 or online at, I always forget the letters. WLXG.com. WLXG.com. And, uh, thank you, Brad, for being on with us tonight. We surely appreciated it. Um, everybody, thank you for listening tonight and make sure you go and click those links for Yeti and Skull Candy. If you use those links, even if you don't purchase anything, if you use those links, they'll know that uh, you listen to the podcast. And so we would sure appreciate your support with those things. Brad, any parting words? It's an honor and a pleasure to be on here with you, Vince Stover. And, uh, yeah, uh, make sure to, uh, listen to my show, The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. That's our tagline. Saturday and Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock. We get you ready for all the action on your Saturday and Sunday. Uh, please listen in, WLXG.com. And on Twitter, the show is at, at Bottom Line Lex. At Bottom Line Lex is uh, my Twitter handle. Thank you. All right. You can follow them right there. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for being uh, listening with us tonight. We will be on again Thursday night, 8 o'clock on YouTube. And then, of course, the podcast. We've got Kevin Wilson, fantasy baseball writer for BellyUpSports.com. will be joining us. Uh, my dad will be back with us on Thursday as well. So until next time, we'll see you around the sports stove. <laughs>